Oh, thank you, Riley. Merry Christmas. It's good to see you. It wasn't a silent night, and I don't think it's going to be a silent service with all these kiddos in here. Uh, And I love that. Uh, It's a joy to get to celebrate Christmas with you all today. Uh, We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 for just a few minutes. Luke chapter 2, just a few minutes together. Uh, Christmas Eve may be more than any other day of the year. It tells a story. A story of longing, a story of waiting, a story of expectancy. And this story of expectancy, this story of waiting, the story of longing isn't something that's only true in the story of the Bible, but we see it across all the other stories that we find in our world around Christmas. Can you think of a few other stories? You think about Buddy the Elf longing for a family. You think about Kevin McAllister waiting for his family to come home. You think about Ebenezer Scrooge looking for redemption. You think about the Grinch looking for a friend. The days leading up to Christmas are days of waiting. They're days of expectancy. They're days of expecting something wonderful, something great, something amazing to happen. These days of waiting are called Advent, and Advent ends tonight. When the sun sets on this Christmas Eve, Christmas begins, and Christmas is more than a day. It's a season. It's a series of days where we celebrate the coming of Christ, the great reality that Christ has come and Christ is coming again. Each year, our longing, our waiting, our expectancy, it comes to Christmas, this day where either we are delighted or we are disappointed, but in either way, whether we are delighted on Christmas Day or disappointed by Christmas Day, it tells us that we have deeper desires than we often remember. Christmas Day is a reminder to us, whether it's a day of great joy or a day of great sorrow, that we were created for something that nothing in this world can satisfy, that we were meant to live with God in an unbroken Sabbath, an unending Christmas day forever. And there's probably no better way to mark the last day of Advent and the first day of Christmas than to look back on the first Christmas day, the first Christmas Eve. And so I'm going to read Luke 2 verses 1 through 21 so that we can hear the story of Christmas. And then there's just a few things that I want you to see as you go into tonight and tomorrow. Let me read beginning in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, they, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be For all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. What we see in Luke 2 is this. We see a bossy Lord. That's what it begins with. It's not the baby Lord of Lords and King of Kings. It's a different Lord. And he's quite bossy, this Lord is. Does, is there anybody bossy in your household? Okay, I'm seeing, yes, I'm seeing some moms raise their hand, right? Yeah, there's a bossy Lord involved here, and his name is Caesar. Caesar. Caesar is Lord at this time, meaning he's ruler. He's emperor. He is the one who, in his view, and in the view of most of the world, controls the world. At this time, to say Caesar is to invoke the name of the most powerful ruler that the world had known and the world knew at this time. And he wants to count all of the people in his kingdom. This bossy lord, Caesar, he wants to take stock, take inventory of the multitude of his kingdom. Look at all these people that I have that belong to me. Look at how great my empire is. This title, Caesar, it means Lord. And he is counting his empire at the very moment that the true Lord of Lords and King of Kings is born into this world. I love how the Christmas story goes because before you get introduced to the true King Jesus, you get introduced to somebody who thinks they have more power than they really do. Christmas is a witness to us every year, every year, that no matter what we try to do to have control over our little domains, our little arenas, Christmas is a reminder that the greatest thing that God has for us came apart from any control we have. That while Caesar is counting an empire that seems vast to him, the true Lord of Lords is entering into the world and his kingdom is surely without number. It is not confined to a place, to a time, to a people group. Caesar thinks that he has all the power and yet a baby king has just been born into the world who is more powerful, more glorious, more worthy than any king the world has ever known or would know since. While Caesar sits on his throne counting the son of God sleeps in a manger inside a house that is crowded with livestock and extended family. The world belongs not to a bossy lord, it belongs to a baby king. And at this point, only Mary and Joseph really know this. 
Only Mary and Joseph have really come to see the fulfillment of the promises that the prophets had given, the promises that the world had been waiting on that a true king would come and he would make right all that sin had made wrong. He would crush the head of the great enemy, not some Pharaoh in Egypt, but a great terror that had plagued the world, bringing death in his kingdom. This baby king is born in Bethlehem, the city of David. He is a true king, the one that the prophets had promised. He's born in Bethlehem. Do you know what the word Bethlehem means? It means house of bread. And in this manger, in a barn house effectively, there is a baby king who is born. He's the heir of David's kingdom. And he is born in the house of bread as the bread of life. The bread of life. Inviting the world to come and to feast, to taste and see that he is good, to come and to eat and drink and be hungry and thirsty no more. I love this quote and I drop it in every Christmas sermon. You're going to probably hear it for every Christmas sermon that I preach from this pulpit. St. Augustine says this about the incarnation. I don't think that anybody has ever captured it more beautifully. He says this, he says, he lies in a manger, but he holds the whole world in his hands. He sucks at his mother's breast, but he feeds the angels. He is swaddled in rags, but he clothes us in immortality. He could find no room in the inn, but he makes a temple for himself in the hearts of believers. Here at Christmas, something truly magical has happened. Not something commercialized, not something that can be bought and sold, not something that can be gift wrapped under the tree, something truly wonderful, something full of majesty and wonder has happened. God has taken on flesh and he's entered into the world. I know that it feels like this is the same old story and it is the same old story, but the deepest magic at work in the world is nothing new. It is something ancient. Something glorious, something whose roots go all the way down and are knotted around the roots of reality, of truth, of goodness and beauty. I know it feels passe to us. We know this story, but here at Christmas, every year we are reminded to take awe and wonder at the reality that God has entered the world This is unbelievable. It's startling, it's surprising, and it's shocking that he would do such a thing and he would do it to bring a better kingdom, to bring a kingdom unlike Caesar's, to bring a kingdom unlike Pharaoh's, to bring a kingdom unlike any other, a kingdom with no end. This is what Christmas is about. A bold and beautiful king, a baby king who enters into the world on a bright night. You know, I've never liked the song Silent Night. I really haven't. I know we sing it, and I'm happy to keep singing it. I like the tune of Silent Night, but every time I hear the song, I think there's nothing about this night that was quiet. Nothing at all. You know, from what I've been told, labor pains, not a quiet endeavor. Don't know from firsthand experience, but from what secondhand testimony has told me, it's not a quiet event, right? Right? Even on this night, there are angels rejoicing, 
celebrating, making a great and loud noise. It's not a quiet night. It's not a silent night. What happens is the sky breaks open with glory and surprises some lowly shepherds. Some shepherds, they're out there just doing what shepherds do, sleeping after a long day of tending sheep. And what do the angels celebrate? What do they sing? They sing about the glory of the Lord. They sing about good news. Gospel is what that word is. Euangelion is the Greek word. It is gospel. It is good news. And what is the good news? Well, it's good news of great joy for all people that what? A Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. Jesus in verse 11 is called three things. Savior, Christ, Lord. That's an action-packed verse. There's a lot of substance there. To say that Jesus is Savior is to say he is bringing a rescue we radically need. To say that he is Christ is to say he is the King of kings. He's the Messiah. He's the one who brings the better and best kingdom. To say that he is Lord is to say that he's greater than the rulers of the world. This is good news of great joy for all people. And so what do the shepherds do? They rush off to Bethlehem. They rush off to David's city. Why? Because they have to behold this hero, this champion, this savior, this rescuer, this king, this Lord. The shepherd's response, Mary's response are pictures for us of what the appropriate Christmas response is. Verse 18 says, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And what does Mary do? It says she treasured it up in her heart. She treasured it in her heart. What is the appropriate response to the Christmas story? Wonder. Wonder. Like the Jesus Storybook Bible is, is anything too wonderful for God? Is anything too wonderful? How can it be true? The shepherds worshiped. Mary treasured. Wonder is our response to the majesty of God breaking into the world. Of something beautiful happening in a place that's unexpected. In a surprising way, the Christmas story is nothing less than this. God has come. That's it. That's the good news. God has come just like he said he would. And tomorrow is a taste. It's a taste. It's not, you're not supposed to leave tomorrow thinking, you know what? I feel fully satisfied. If tomorrow is the best Christmas day you've ever had, you will go to bed wanting more. If tomorrow is the worst Christmas day you've ever had, you will go to bed wanting more. Because God has come not to bring a day of Christmas, but to bring an unending Christmas day. That's what heaven is. It is an unending day where there is no more winter and it is always Christmas. A day where we are pulled further up and further in, not into a day of wonder, but into a world of wonder. We will get to an unending Christmas day and all of God's people will say, is anything too wonderful for God? And every day for forever will be an answer to that question, no, God's wonder knows no ends. It's inexhaustible. And the majesty of Christmas is a witness to us of this wonder, this invitation to worship, to come and to see a true king, a true savior, a true bread of life. A never-ending Christmas is headed our way. And tomorrow is a taste. 
enjoy it. Celebrate it, but don't settle for it. Don't lower your desires. Have deeper desires. Don't be satisfied in even the richest thing that this world has to offer. Because God has more joy for us than they have when their grain and wine abound. Eternity has been set into the heart of man. And you are created and invited to behold the good news of the gospel and let it be a welcome to you into God's kingdom that knows no end. Christmas has come. Christmas is coming. Merry Christmas. It is a joy to worship on the Lord's day with you and to celebrate all that God has done for us in Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy. God, I thank you for the sounds of these children, not a distraction, but a delight, a reminder to us that even the Savior of the world, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, needed help as a baby. A reminder to our hearts that we are more needy than even their cries reflect. God, a reminder to us that our restlessness is meant to lead us to rest in you. We love you, Lord. We ask you, God, that you would fill our hearts tomorrow, tonight, with a wonder that goes deeper than anything that can be bought or sold, anything that could be ate or tasted, anything that could be drunk or consumed. We ask you, Lord, that our desires would run deep. Lord, we thank you for the coming of Christ. We thank you that you are coming again. We love you, Lord. We pray all these things in the name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit. Amen.